The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. November jobs is a disappointment, 245,000, a little more than half of expectations, and the fifth month of slowing gains. Futures, though, pretty steady amid continued optimism over vaccines and a potential stimulus deal. Our roadmap's going to begin with job growth slowing sharply. We are going to get the first White House reaction with Larry Kudlow later on this hour. Plus, vaccine questions while showing promising results. Pfizer's chairman admits that they're not sure if someone can transmit the virus after vaccination. And call it a box office reset. Warner Media's new distribution model will release films simultaneously in the theaters and on its streaming platform, HBO Max. It is a seismic change, Carl, in the economics for those related to the film business. And we will certainly be willing to and happy to take a closer look and discuss it. Yeah. Fascinating change in the economics there. But, uh, guys, jobs numbers, the story of the morning, Jim, not just the number itself and the trend that it sort of outlines, but the degree to which it's going to color the debate on Capitol Hill this, uh, today and maybe next week. Yeah, I think there's enough ammo to be able to say, look, we have to do something. There's some areas of the economy that just uh, cannot be sustained. Don't forget, these numbers are actually ahead of what will be a gigantic eviction notice that <laughs> Uh, more than maybe 13 million people get in January. Uh, I, I think this number is just enough to be able to say, let's compromise. Uh, it is not so horrible as to say the economy is falling apart. I know the numbers are disappointment to some, but when you look at the actual breakdown, David, uh, a lot of the disappointment is so-called uh, hiring by the federal government, which is it's down. But retail, what did we expect? This is the Amazon. We're, we're getting Amazon. And yeah. I was surprised that there weren't a gigantic decline in the number of retailers uh, that are laying off people that, that aren't creating jobs. They actually wasn't bad. Well, uh, maybe because Amazon's adding. I can't even what, twenty eight hundred a day, some insane number. Right. It's, it's a transfer. Uh, and so and that, I, I assume, is counted, broadly speaking, towards retail. But, Jim, there's no way around the fact that this is I mean, you can't you're not going to make up 10 million lost jobs by adding 245,000 a month. No, it's going to be it, a very long time. It's secular. We're going to hear from uh, Mary D- Dillon at Ulta about how much better the e-commerce uh, <laughs> customer is. Well, what does that say? How many people do you need at your stores? 
if your e-commerce effort is so strong. So you, you, we had DocuSign earlier this morning. How many people do you need involved in a real estate transaction if you're doing DocuSign and they're extending toward a platform? So your point is, I guess, Jim, quickly, is that the, digi- the acceleration in the digitization of the economy is going to result in fewer jobs, regardless of how much stimulus you try to throw at it. Just has to happen. And that's the, one of the key lessons of the pandemic is that we've figured how to do far more with far less. That's not going to change. Turn out to be very lucrative. The gross margins are going up for many different businesses. A lot of it is digitization. Layoffs, digitization. Yeah, Jim. I mean, there's no stimulus package for wholesale change in the way software alters uh, workflow. Although, I don't know, some would argue there is. And that's called... Uh, that's called uh, universal basic income, which is a story for another day. But I guess the, the more immediate question is, as Tom Friedman says, does McConnell uh, err on the side of generosity? And when he says a compromise is within reach, does he mean $908 billion compromise or the compromise that he had already put to the Senate floor? Well, it, it has to be more just given the fact that January is going to be pretty bleak, both for the, the, geez, the charts of what's happening in the country are just unbelievable. Uh, but also because of the eviction issue, uh, I think that what we're going to have to do is have the tide over. I know that there's an issue about what Pfizer was saying and how Pfizer wasn't really revising. But there were a lot of people, particularly there was a New York Times article yesterday, which allowed you to try to figure out where you are on the pecking order. And I've got to tell you, uh, it, it's much further out uh, for most people to get the vaccine than I think they thought even three or four weeks ago. And, David, you know... Do, do you know... I'm sorry, Carl. No, Jim, I was going to say, I'm, I did that on the Times website, and I'm behind, like, 260 million Americans. Where, where are you in line? <laughs> I, I'm, in the, I'm under 100 million. But it is... I mean, when you do that, I, that I, I didn't know you... I mean, everybody I know did that. And it, the, I think the end game was no one gets the vaccine within, within any time that, that you may feel like you're going to make it. Dave, did you, what, where did you come out? I didn't try it. I didn't, you I didn't, didn't try it? No, I, I didn't. But didn't I'm going to assume I'm somewhere between you and Carl. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got to tell you, there's a big <laughs> gulf. And, and Carl, when we saw the Pfizer, I actually on the show believed that there was going to be an upside surprise to what Pfizer could do in part because I think Pfizer is such a great company. Johnson Johnson, I just got admitted to the trial yesterday for J&J, but uh, there are lots of different restrictions that make it so, you know what, I'd rather, the chances of getting the placebo uh, may set you back ter- well, in terms of versus Maybe, maybe not. I, had, I was with some friends last night who were in the J&J trial, and you, it's 50-50, they I guess, the, whether you're getting placebo? the placebo. How they don't know. Like- you know, a lot of people who are in it, they want to feel like they want to get a headache or something. They're like, yes, I got the actual potential vaccine because they they kind of know uh, <laughs> if there's any side effects. That, but um, that, that, I have they to follow the them, by the way, for two years. I mean, you know, they follow them for a long period of time. Right. But it is a way to potentially get a vaccine that may be effective yes, if you before placebo, anybody else. If you're you in the can't trial, go get the J&J. No, you're not allowed. Although to, they I mean, are saying that once they may, if they find it effective, like in Pfizer, they may open it up and didn't I think even Fauci recommended this and give the vaccine to those who got the placebo. Well, I, I got to tell you, Carl, yeah. in my in my Twitter feed, I have more people who laugh at me that I want the vaccine. 
no, I want to really get sick and get it over with. Do they know anyone who's, I mean, I know so many healthy people who got sick. and They haven't made the comeback that a lot of these people think. This is not the regular flu, no, people. Uh, no. Tom, Tom Farley this morning on Squawk talking about 15 days with a 103-degree fever. Uh, said it felt like a sledgehammer was taken to his back. It is serious. But, Jim uh, and David, to your larger points about vaccine optimism, we did get that comment from Moderna yesterday saying that uh, durable antibodies, maybe after 119 days, that's pretty positive uh, data. And then, of course, the president did talk to Lester Holt last night on Dateline NBC. Take a listen to that. For most vaccines, um, you will see adverse events or safety issues arise really within the first five, six weeks after vaccination. So two months allows you to be sure as you can be. And the real threat to life and health that COVID faces far outweighs any remaining very small risk, we think, that over the coming year we'd see any concerns arise. We don't know how long these vaccines will protect us and when we'll need a follow-up. Certainly when we're seeing efficacy, 94, 95%, there's great reasons for hope that these vaccines are going to be very effective and beat back the virus. But there's a chance that a year from now, three years from now, we'll see that people need a booster not dissimilar to what we see with other vaccines. And then what about the question, Albert, of, of even though I've, I've had the protection, am I still able to transmit it to other people? I, I think this is something that needs to be uh, examined. We are not certain about that right now with what we know. One of the big lingering questions, Jim, about transmission as opposed to infection. You know, look, look, I, I'm, I'm not I, I think that all these are uh, I'm not saying that they're faux arguments, but I think that what's going to happen is uh, we're, a lot of people are going to get the vaccine and a huge number of people are going to get sick between 30 and 50 percent of the country is going to get sick. And that is going to be the end of the pandemic, the combination of the people who have this vaccine and the people who got sick. And this is not made up numbers. There are many doctors, David, who are saying, listen. It's coming. You're going to get it. It's a foot race. But in the end, this thing ends with 30 to 50 percent people who got sick and the rest. And then many people got the vaccine. Yeah, well, it's a suboptimal way. It's a suboptimal way. And when you say that number, obviously, because we're well below that, you're talking about people who are not diagnosed or not tested, but had it at some point. Well, when, just to get to that number, because obviously you're talking about 100 million people when you talk. Well, about I mean, the, you know, Dr. Gottlieb, I mean, I, he's a hitter. Yeah, no, I, I know that. Uh, listen, we're there already, right? 219,000 cases on December 3rd. That was a record, I believe. Well, I mean, record. there are people. Uh, and unfortunately, 2,800 deaths. Well, well, I mean, it's pretty rapid. You know that it's making inroads. I mean, look, I think all of us now know right at this very moment that the Thanksgiving spread at wildfire. I think all of us know many people who got it. I think all of us are just hoping and we're praying that we're not the next people. And, um, uh, but the numbers are this thing's going to be solved by this by the worst possible way, which is herd immunity plus vaccine. Uh, back to the jobs report for a minute, Jim. I mean, because I just feel like, you know, and the and the prospect for some sort of stimulus or and or relief. Right. Really, it's not really stimulus. Um, what's it mean for the market? Uh, you know, we're not going to see much of an impact. It would seem in equities. Well, uh, we had been poised to go open. We still are. Uh, excuse me, to go higher at the open. And we still are. Well, the um, open trade. And technology, the oil stocks, transportation, uh, the food stocks, uh, the cyclical stocks, the bank stocks are all doing well. That's 
kind of it. That's a recipe leave for out what? The SPACs? <laughs> Don't forget Norwegian the SPACs. Norwegian Cruise. How can you call Norwegian Cruise? I get the memo from Frank Del Real. Not, uh, I, look, we, you can't sell for two months. And the stock has like a 10% move. I, you can't make this up. Younger people, Carl, are so hopeful that they, I, I mean, they buy the shares in the Titanic. <laughs> Let's not make that comparison, but Jim, I think we all know where you're going with that. And by the way, crude oil getting close to 46 on this OPEC plus uh, supply compromise. A lot of calls to get to this morning. We got uh, some downgrades of Boeing, uh, price target hikes on Lulu, DocuSign, PVH, Netflix, CrowdStrike. We'll get to all of that. And we'll, of course, talk to Larry Kudlow, director of the National Economic Council, about the jobs number when Squawk on the Street continues. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. AT&T, Warner Brothers, announcing it will release its 2021 film slate theatrically and on HBO Max simultaneously. This was, of course, announced late yesterday. Warner Media CEO Jason Kilar defending the move, telling CNBC, quote, everyone should take a breather. Let's let the next six, eight, ten months play out and then let's check back. Certainly this is pandemic related. That's why we're doing it. We haven't spent one brain cell on what the world looks like in 2022, but they may want to. There is a potentially seismic reaction to this this morning, as we said uh, at the top of the show. Uh, obviously, the first order of business is, well, what does it mean for AT&T? HBO Max certainly potentially going to be a positive uh, since that launch, you know, more converting more people from HBO to HBO Max, even though it's the same price point, adding new subs. This would seem to help that. But the economics, Carl, of the, of the movie business are pretty significant. For this company, I mean, you know, they did their number two at the box office. They do what about uh, uh, 2.4 billion in EBIT generated, uh, you know, from the film division is what I've got here. Uh, you know, that's significant numbers that they're talking about potentially taking down dramatically for products that they basically produce. And now we're going to be putting on HBO Max. Yes, you can still watch them in the movie theater, but it's unclear how many people are really going to be willing to do that. Yeah, I was uh, you had to take note of Adam Aaron's quote uh, from AMC. Clearly, Warner Media intends to sacrifice a considerable portion of its profitability. Uh, we will do all in our power to ensure that Warner doesn't do so at our expense. I'll tell you, Jim, uh, it's he has people saying that HBO Max is probably the best value in streaming, at least for the next year. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that, because I remember there was a, there was a critical meeting that David Faber and I had with a man who was a great American, Jeff Bukas, <laughs> where we talked about the idea that if you break it up, uh, that you could have time to do a Netflix-like situation, and it'd be worth tremendous am- amount. Tremendous. Of course, he laughed at me and made fun of me, and, and I, I enjoyed that because he's a great American. But what was interesting is, is this where Clark's going? It, it feel, Well, that's the question. He's saying, listen, this is pandemic related. You're, you saw his quote because, of course, people are still going to be potentially reluctant to go to the movie theaters, at least for some period of time, perhaps for another year. And therefore, they want to be able to give people the opportunity to watch at home. 
But, you know, I go to Moffitt Nathanson. They're out this morning with a report. Let me share some of it with you, I love Jim. that piece. Yeah, because it's, you know, this sort of gives you at least some sense as to what we're talking about when it comes to AT&T. By the way, also, there's economics for the stars. There's economics for the writers. A lot of them come in that residual basket that comes from the windowing process. So it's not the money that they get from it being in the theaters. It's money from the from HBO or the other paid services and then money from this. And so the question there also becomes, well, do they have to get paid more up front? But as for AT&T, uh, here's what Moffat Nathanson had to say. Warner Media is the first to truly blow up the model by skipping an exclusive theatrical window altogether. And the pay one window, which is now the HBO Max release, no longer generates cash. Instead, it merely shifts content between Warner Media segments. Without some major change in accounting principles at the company's film division, we expect the $2.4 billion in EBIT generated in 19 to take a big hit. And that'll impact the entire P&L of Warner Media. There's no doubt one would expect this will help HBO Max, Jim, add subscribers. But at what cost continues to be a question for AT&T. Yeah, it is. When we were kicking around with, with Bucus, it, it's pretty clear that the economics were not great to do it. It was more leisure demand because the market wanted a similar, uh, something similar to Netflix. But yes, unless you do something like that and raise money. Uh, but maybe you get a lot of people now and then you keep them, you, you know, if you can keep the turn down. And then at some point a year from now, you sort of mix and match. Some things will go with no window. Others won't. Is it desperation by ATT, which has got a terrible stock and people are worried about the dividend? You know, I don't I don't wouldn't call it that. But I do think it does show how focused they are on making HBO Max a successful product. Obviously, HBO has been incredibly successful, but we're talking here direct to consumer in HBO Max and making sure it really has a, a lot of road ahead of it. Um, don't forget, they continue to sort of engage in this process that I've reported on of selling part of DirecTV. The number there right. is going to be very low in terms of what they bought it for, and what it's going to value the company at when they sell a stake to somebody else, if they do, if they choose to move ahead with that. There's a and, lot of different life, levers uh, here. Yeah. You want to sell, uh, give a life uh, raft to Adam Aaron? What do you do? I, mean, I, I don't know what you do. What do you do? You do, you do a gigantic dilutive offering. You stay in business. I guess that's what you have to do, yeah. yeah. But, but you know, look, that. young people love that. I mean, look how many loaded offerings uh, Carl Carnival done. Uh, American Air, they love that. They love offerings. <laughs> it's like burnt offerings. Here, please. Dilute me, please. Dilute me. I think maybe they think the young people think dilution's good. It makes more well, people yeah, in. Jim, because they're, they're so young that they have a higher likelihood of... Uh, seen a recovery one day where we all go back to the movies. <laughs> That's maybe. what they're uh, doing. They're taking they're, the long They're going to live view. long enough. Yeah. <laughs> we will take a break. Uh, when we come back, Larry Kudlow of the National Economic Council talk about the jobs number, stimulus, the Fed, the transition, and a lot more. Don't go away. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. 
For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Man, Jim told me he has a surprise for me for the Mad Dash. We're going to talk Starbucks, but I don't know what the surprise is. Oh, my God. Cudlow and Kramer. It's a Cudlow and Kramer hat. This is a collector's item. I may put it on eBay. Maybe we get some, uh, you know, raise some money for the people who are um, in trouble and can't get food. But, yes, this is in honor of the fact that we are about to interview Larry Cudlow. And this is a genuine, unbelievable found in my father's closet when we were cleaning up. Wow. Cudlow and Kramer hat. There you go. So, anyway, in honor. One last time. In honor. Uh, I want to talk Starbucks next week. Let's do it. Next week, they had the biennial meeting, okay? Okay. And I think that people are going to raise numbers, raise numbers, raise numbers. The the same-store sales are going to be going up a lot. Um, The only thing that's bad is that Andrew gets the interview, and I don't. Fortunately, I love Andrew. Oh, yeah, KJ's going on squad. Fortunately, I love Andrew. I know. But think about this, David. I know. You and I can be united sometimes in our opposition. Yes, we are. Yes. Now, they hired Kevin Johnson to be the CEO. It's really, it turned out you needed, that's KJ, it turns out you needed a guy who understood JavaScript more than Java Beans. I've worked on that for a long time. Because it's a technology issue, throughput's a technology issue, and he's going to solve it. And I think that one of the things you're going to love about it is they're going to be placed. Wow, look at that chart, David. I know you love charts. That is a charts. reverse head and shoulder, is right? That what that is? Or do, you think, or do you like the cup and handle? Is that a reverse head and shoulders? Here, yeah. Here's my head. And shoulders. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. You know, I dressed in the dark today. I have two suits I on. Did, I did dress. Did yes. you notice I have two suits on? Two separate I suits. I have two separate suits on. Yeah, I dressed in the dark. Oh, well done. Yeah, I thank didn't you. actually notice, but yeah. thank you for pointing that no, out. No, it's all right. These suits. Remember, these two suits are worth what? Well, way more than I make in a year. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think that this is an event that people are going to get ahead of already. Wedbush gets ahead of it. Uh, already, Opco gets ahead of it. The increasing price target, caffeinated thesis. Look out, David. That biennial meeting is, I went to, I've been to almost all the biennial meetings. Not they this one. are, uh, they're, they're rallies like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they're just fabulous to behold rallies where they, they highlight baristas who have worked there for a very long time. And they make you feel like, you know what, this company treats its people well. All right. Keep an eye on Starbucks. We've got some interesting meetings. That's next week. Is next, next week. week. Disney, when, Andrew, Disney's got their Andrew big investor meeting on the 10th. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, Kevin Johnson Kramer. will join the. Squawk crew for one one time only, I would assume. That'll be the only interview he ever exactly. does on that show. We're back right after this. Alta is one that people are going to grapple with this morning, Jim. Uh, revenue was a miss, but Wells and Piper do up their target. Stock's still down pre-market. Yeah, I, I actually like the quarter very much. I mean, remember, these guys are up against an incredible situation. They've got salons in the back. Well, do you really want to go get your hair done right now? They've got lots of people doing their uh, their e-com, which is great. But you always like customers to come by their place. They had to, uh, they had to decide to not go into Canada. They took a charge on that. But I think Mary Dillon's doing a fabulous job, and I want to own that stock. To sell it right now is to think that they're not a survivor. Not only they're a survivor, but they're moving to Target, Carl, is brilliant. And we celebrated Sephora's move into Kohl's. This move into Target is just a game changer for them. They also have brands, by the way, that they never used to be able to have. Top flight brands, uh, a great uh, 31 million person affinity group, which gives you great values. I just think that this is a winner and let short termers take profit. Good luck. 
Yeah, I know you, you like that story, and you were so positive on Kohl's Sephora earlier in the week. We never did mention that Deutsche, after your comments, upped it to buy, saying that Sephora could add a billion dollars in incremental sales. So uh, beauty is going to get really interesting. Well, JCPenney, oh, the thing that kept JCPenney thriving was Sephora. It's a really a remarkable brand. Uh, and Cole, it was a great thing for Kohl's to snare. I, obviously, I think I prefer Target than Kohl's. But these are these are game changers and cosmetics are back because it's skin care. And obviously, a lot of that is macne and macne matters. That's acne from is your mask. Is that acne through the yes. mask? Yeah, yes. acne. Yeah. I've got a really good one, <laughs> but I fortunately have a makeup person who spray paints me like Earl Shad. This one, this one has created more macne than I've had since I was 13. Be thankful. Yes. Good. It's good you have skin that's not dried out. Thank you. You won't get wrinkles. <laughs> David, do you ever remember what whiteheads uh, were? Yes, They're back. They're bigger than ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Carl, tell us about the opening bell, so we're going to talk more about various skin <laughs> yeah, problems. Right. Yeah. Right. People enjoying their breakfast. Uh, guys, there's the opening bell. you got to look at energy, Jim. We mentioned it a few moments ago, but sector is going to open up 2% here. Is this about uh, reopening reflation or... Um, or more about OPEC, what OPEC Plus said. Well, I think it's about President Biden, too, uh, President-elect Biden, because he's going to make it much more uh, difficult to drill, which means there's going to be less oil coming from us. The uh, the amount that OPEC Plus did was 500,000, really didn't change the game. There are people, more people driving. Uh, but I do think that the idea that what President Trump wanted to do, which is including uh, lasting legacy of wanting to drill up in uh, Amwar, uh, that's not something I care to do, but you know, I know the president's kind of a drill everywhere guy. But if you drill less, we produce less, oil goes up. And so President-elect Biden is doing much more for the stocks of the oil companies than President Trump ever could. I reiterate that Chevron with that great dividend and Pioneer with that great growth are the two ways to play it if you believe that oil is going to go to the 50s. Um. I mentioned the dollar earlier this week, That's which I never do. And, and here I am again mentioning it twice in a week. But there's a reason for it. I mean, it continue, there's continues to be a lot of conversation about it and, and the weakness that we've seen, Jim. Uh, we talk about, of course, currency translations for companies when that can reverse. Oftentimes, investors could care less about constant currency, at least when it's going against the companies. Right. But then when it can be a tailwind, it sometimes can be beneficial. Right now, of course, if you're selling, it's not helping. J&J, watch that one. It's not just the vaccine. It's the dollar. Uh, all the oil companies, I mean, oil's priced in dollars. It's great for them. I think that you're going to see the first quarter, a lot of the big exporters are going to tell you it's terrific. And since we're not allowed to go anywhere, you don't feel the downside. Right. I know we're not feeling the, the, the penny, the, the uh, penalization of it, of going abroad and, and no, finding but getting fewer, I think when you listen to the court, you know who's going to be the, the best beneficiary other tell than me. J&J? Yeah. Apple. Apple's lost billions to currency. Billions. That's going to reverse, and it's going to be another reason to own the stock of Apple, even though the analysts all seem to be lukewarm, other than Morgan Stanley, about 5G. Yes, 5G's not perfect yet. You know, give it a break. Carl, we'll all be using 5G, and you're going to take these phones. I love my right, phone. I love it. Oh, look at that. Huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One day my wife will know that I have a show, guys. Could no, you give won't. me a call? Nah, Could you give me yes. a call? Nah, she At won't. 9 o'clock. David, tell her. I got a show, Carl. Uh, I've tried. Yeah, I've tried. Yeah, I'm, tell I'm, her. Here, tell I'm, her, tell I'm jammed. How about yeah. I'm going to write, I'm Listen. jammed tell, right now. 
Not interested. There. This way she'll Sell know that I won't we, take get hurt. Sharp feelings won't be hurt. You take care of that. I'll, guys, I'll talk a little bit about Walgreens. Um, the, the option, the unusual option activity? Yeah, I know. The what old you, unusual option activity. Are you me? Yesterday. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we can take a look at a one week, maybe, because that'll help even show what it did yesterday. It was up a lot. 17 million shares, too. There it is. Look at that move. Uh, unusual options activity, right? Uh, now, about a year ago, there was sort of an effort. I was never able to determine exactly how serious it was uh, in terms of potentially a go-private transaction. I think they did have conversations with KKR. Stefano Pacino, of course, largest shareholder, uh, man who runs it. You know, the idea then was perhaps he'd roll into some deal. You, you know, the, can you make it work? Well, Credit Suisse this morning comes out with some math that's worth sharing. But then I want to share a couple of potential insights with people as well on this whole idea. And again, I got nothing that indicates there's anything going on, but I frankly don't know. Um, uh, in our LBO scenario, says uh, Credit Suisse, we arrive at a $55 takeout price per share. That would be about a 27 percent premium to the intraday of uh, at least of today or yesterday. 56 billion. So it'd be one of the largest, if not the largest, single LBOs of all time. They, t- they long-term revenue growth, three and a half percent. EBITDA margins they see improving by 10 basis points. Guys, I think we may have this. I, I know we put it up. Uh, we put it together for you. Um, they assume a eight and a quarter valuation on pro forma. Uh, next 12 months EBITDA. Uh, so that would increase that. There you go. Thank you, guys. Uh, and I'm already on the second one here. 5.5 leverage on. Uh, pro forma on uh, on Nuco, all of which gets you to an 18 percent IRR. So, all right, you could potentially do it. It generates a good amount of cash. You'd need to raise, oh, a lot of debt, 37 billion of total debt compared to 14 billion today. Um, and you take leverage, as I said, or they said up to five and a half times. But, Jim, you know, I think one key question here is I think Stefan Pacino is approaching 80 years old. Like he wants I'm not sure he's really looking to roll in as much as roll out. I can't think of a worse idea. I mean, you got the Death Star coming for him. The back of the store is going to be uh, Amazon. Back of the store is going to be could be obliterated. The front of the store right now, it's possible that it'll benefit from the vaccine uh, because you got to get. You remember, you got to go twice. But I would I would tell people that if they really want to do this, my travel trust owns CVS, which has uh, a not great balance sheet but getting better. Larry Merlot turning the, the reins over, but that stock was up every bit as much as Walgreens. And I didn't check about the uh, unusual option activity, but look at CVS. I mean, wow. that sells it. You know, that's selling it ten times, actually nine times earnings. So you want a cheap stock that benefits and that I think has got a little bit better insulation from the Death Star at CBS. And the Death Star, again, for everybody who doesn't know, is Amazon. Right. A reference that was made a couple of years ago in uh, my yearly interview with John Malone. It was one of the best interviews I ever heard. And it was remarkable for the clarity of recognizing when they train their rays on your company. It's very hard. <laughs> abandoned ship. Abandoned ship? Yeah, abandoned ship. Just like they had to. Maybe they, did they in Star Wars? Yeah, abandoned ship. It's kind Get of out. like when um, when they put an ear. Is Star Trek season, I mean, movie two, right? Yeah. Second two? Yeah. The Wrath of Khan? Yes, great they, one. Yeah, they right. put earwigs in there. Oh, yeah. 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 Chekhov, earwig. Is that the one that ended up with the whales? Was that the no, whale? that was Save the one. Save the Whales. Oh, that was no, Save the Anyway, five. Wrath of Khan was by far the Sorry. best call. Sorry, by guys. far the best. I've watched them all. I just yeah. don't remember. I, two's the best. Who's the best? Uh, Jim, the only sector that's not doing quite as well as energy are the banks, uh, but it's pretty close, up a percent here, as the 210 curve is the highest, widest since February of 18. I wonder, Jim, if that's about, I see you tweeted that the lockdown trade is getting hurt. How much of that is related to the president-elect saying 
He's not looking for major shutdowns. If anything, it's more about asking Americans uh, to wear a mask for 100 days. Yeah, I, I think it's a mask. I think it's stimulus. Uh, but you know, you've got things like Ring Central, uh, CrowdStrike. I've got them on tonight. That, that stock shouldn't be, has been doing incredibly well. Okta's always the tail of the tape because that's identity. Uh, Roku's been down a little bit. In the meantime, J.P. Morgan is the star of the show. The star of the show. Morgan Stanley's the star of the show. It's up 26% this year. Morgan I like Stanley. You know I like Gorman. You know I like Gorman. I know you do. Carl? Guys, let's bring in Larry Kudlow, uh, director of the National Economic Council, talk about the jobs number this morning. Larry, good morning. Happy Friday. Good to have you back. Thank you. Hello, folks. How are you? Uh, we're doing well. Uh, taking stock of the number today. Um, Charles Evans of the Chicago Fed is on the tape now. Say it's a little disappointing. Uh, would you agree? Um, I suppose so. It came a little bit under uh, consensus. Not a lot, but a little. I really like the 6.7 percent uh, unemployment rate. And I, I would note, by the way, if you look under the hood of this thing, the biggest declines in unemployment were uh, minority groups. That's the toughest nut to crack, but they're really coming down. Uh, African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, and also not a minority group because they're really a majority. But um, women's unemployment came down. Those were the real highlights of this thing. And as you know, 6.7 percent. Uh, CBO and others didn't expect it uh, single digital uh, well into 2021. So uh, it's good report. And I just make one other editorial comment before we get into it back and forth. You know, you can't judge the entire economy uh, by a number that comes in slightly below consensus. You have real, real strength in the PMIs and manufacturing in construction in new purchase uh, mortgage applications. Automobiles are very strong. Uh, capital goods are coming on very, very strong. I think the Q4, uh, what Atlanta GDP now, Atlanta Fed is 11 percent. Uh, that's their number. I don't know if we'll get there. But I'm just saying that the economy is still pretty strong, uh, even with uh, various uh, COVID risks out there. Yeah. So, Larry, you're on that point. Your longstanding view has been that a sharp recovery, V-shaped recovery, not predicated on further stimulus. Uh, you still hold that view. And what does that say about the debate that's going on right now? Well, look, I do hold that view and I do think it's a strong V-shaped recovery. But I've also said any number of times in recent months that a targeted assistance plan from Congress would be very helpful. And um, I know that the, the parameters seem to be closing a bit. I know that Senator Mitch McConnell is talking to House Speaker Pelosi. Um, Senator McConnell's a little more optimistic uh, than he has been. There's no deal yet. Um, the numbers are getting closer. There are some policy differences. But, Carl, my, my take really all, I don't know, late summer and autumn for this discussion is we should provide uh, some additional payouts for unemployment assistance. I think that's very important. Uh, secondly, I think we should pay out um, additional extensions for the successful small business PPP program. Uh, I think you've got to put some money into the airlines and I think you've got to also put some money into the uh, restaurants, small restaurants, small business. So that may be covered by PPE. Maybe you could have some uh, tax deductions and anything to do with COVID uh, and schools. I mean, we've got to keep the schools open. 
So we've always been willing to spend money. President Trump, as I spoke to him yesterday about this, he's happy to provide assistance in these key targeted areas. And we want to keep the economy open. I mean, we should talk about the COVID story, but we must keep the economy open. We must keep the businesses open. We must keep the schools open. Uh, this is very doable. And, you know, I, I still think we're in pretty good shape, uh, despite the fact that we came in a wee bit below consensus on jobs today. Well, uh, Larry, first, I want to uh, congratulate you and thank you for your service for our country. Uh, you've you. done an admirable job, and I know you're in there working hard for every single day. Uh, and we appreciate everything you do. Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate it. Really do. When I listen to the things that you're talking about, the targets, all you, you click down every single box. It's everything that needs to be uh, the business insurance, interrupted business, not the people's fault, successful businesses that are going under. Uh, it will be really hard, correct, if we let them go for them to restart. It would be far better and cheaper just to keep them afloat somehow until everyone gets the vaccine. True. Yeah, I really agree with that point of view. Um, you know, there's a way to do this that is not going to spend uh, trillions and trillions of dollars. Uh, you've got unused, unspent funds, Jimmy. The PPP program left on the table, I believe, something like $135 billion. Uh, the Treasury Department uh, has basically, in its exchange stabilization fund, which was used as the equity for the Fed facilities, um, even though some of that may expire at the end of the year, as Secretary Mnuchin has said, due to the law, nonetheless, uh, you've got a $450 billion nut there that was in the CARES Act that is available. So if you just in ballpark numbers, take your 450 and your 135, there's another 25 billion uh, that was uh, used by the Fed to help the PPP, which is no longer necessary. Um, that's $600 billion that could be repurposed, if you will, reappropriated. I wanted this. I've argued this for many, many months. Just take that money and get on the horse. Uh, Plus up unemployment assistance by, you know, let's say 300 bucks a week, extend it out. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to negotiate here, but I'm saying at least several months, maybe till the end of the first quarter. Uh, and of course, help is on the way. Uh, the vaccines are coming. The high priorities will be a couple of weeks. Um, you know, the frontline workers, for example, uh, people with pre-existing conditions, old guys like me, um, you're going to get about 20 million by the end of December, another 20 million in February. And depending how the two leading vaccines, maybe there's a third coming on stream. You're looking at 100 million or so uh, by the end of March, according to um, Vice President Pence's uh, task force, which I sit on and met earlier this week. So help is on the way and let's provide an assistance bridge. Let's do it in a very targeted way. And um, and we'll be OK because the fundamentals of the economy look pretty good. You see the behavior of the stock market. You see the earnings are being raised mm -hmm. higher. Nobody knows that stuff better than Jim Cramer. That's for sure. And um, it's it's just, you know, I, I wish we had a little more private sector jobs today, but it'll come on stream. The continuing claims are are falling uh, by enormous amounts. So I'm kind of still optimistic, but I'd like to see Congress act. Well, uh, Larry, I want to. Uh 
It was a privilege to work with you at Cudlow and Kramer, and thank you for the kind words about the stock market. I agree that, yes, we have to worry about some of these big businesses like the airlines. But you and I are looking at this buoyant stock market. This market and the bond market will actually let the private sector pay for uh, the growth of the airlines and, and get them back on their feet. Do you think that we should just really be small, medium-sized business and let the stock market and the bond markets take care of, of some of the larger companies? Well, that's an interesting policy point, Jimmy. That, that is an interesting policy point. Maybe so. Maybe so. I'm, you know a whole lot more about the airline companies than I do. I, I do talk to them on a regular basis, but you know more about the income and balance sheets. Um, I, I don't know that I can answer that. W- what I do know is um, Speaker, Speaker Pelosi's team is you know, now embracing a lower number. I don't think that's the total issue because it's the policies inside the number. But they have come down. Uh, Senator McConnell, uh, who is obviously the key player, um, he has said publicly that um, compromises are possible. He's softened his language quite a bit. Um, Secretary Mnuchin, rest of the White House, us, we're all talking to the uh, majority leader's office. We're talking to Kevin McCarthy's office on the GOP side. So talk is good, and we may be moving forward. I can't promise anything this morning. I'm just saying that the targeted approach is, I think, the best way. Larry, it's always good to have you on Jobs Friday. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate it very much. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, Larry Kudlow. Dow's up 120, uh, close to the highs of the week. When we come back, Ulta Beauty CEO Mary Dillon's on later on today on the company's uh, quarterly results and the outlook. Uh, We'll talk about the pandemic and where the holiday season fits in to the business. As we go to break, a Jobs Friday look at the movement in treasuries ahead of factory orders due out at the top of the hour. Yields are on the rise, as we said, up sharply for the week. Here's how the 10-year reacted to the jobs report. Notice that spike in the yield right after the numbers were released. And we'll finish with a look at the dollar, which David mentioned, down for the week and uh, awfully close, obviously, to some multi-month lows. We're back in a moment. Shares of Ulta Beauty experiencing some uh, mild, I think, temporary profit taking in reaction to the company's quarterly results. Uh, joining us is a true treat is the uh, Ulta Beauty CEO, Mary Dillon. Mary, I always just love it when you come on. Thank you so much. Thank you. So happy to be here. All right. So I, I want to step aside from what the analysts are saying and the spreadsheets and what they're telling them. How are you able to grow a business for makeup, for cosmetic, skin care in, in a pandemic where people are afraid to do anything in touching their face, their mouth, their eyes? Well, I think this experience, let me just step back and say, first of all, I'm so proud about the Ulta Beauty Associates and what we've done to work hard to meet guest needs during this time on every dimension. And I think this shows that beauty is actually a very important category for people at any time, especially during this difficult time that we've been through, because the categories that you see really excelling are all about self-care. So skincare, you know, people have more time at home to experiment with new rituals, and we're seeing that in our data, trying new products, masks, serums, um, ways to kind of, that you might not have as much time in your normal life before to do, right? So experimentation with self-care, fragrance, bath, those categories, all positive comps versus a year ago, which is pretty incredible. 
hair care. So do-it-yourself hair care, whether it's color or learning how to style your hair yourself with tools. So makeup as a category is more under pressure, yes, and it's a very important category. But there's some sets of makeup that are doing well, everything we call above the mask. So whether it's eyebrows, eyelashes, um, you know, things that can really, you can express yourself like that. And I'm convinced that once we get through this difficult time, and we will, right, at some point in the future, then the full face of makeup and more lipstick will be really hot. Okay, so, yeah, I'm skincare. We all need it. And I think it's been, Fabrizio Freda from, from, uh, from Estee Lauder would tell you that is the hottest area because of the zoomy problem. But I, one of the things I love about what you talked about is I remember for two years you said there's no newness. There's no newness. This time you're talking about newness. You're saying that it's actually uh, exclusive, unique. You have Ulta Beauty programs, a lot of the ones that you're doing, the highest end. So has the business finally caught up with you, what you've asked it to do? Well, newness has always been important in beauty, and I think we talked about this before. In makeup, there was a little bit of maybe a lull in innovation, um, but we're seeing innovation across every single category. So, as I said, whether it's skincare, whether it's it's um, hair care, fragrance, and bath, but makeup as well. We've launched some new products this quarter that have done quite well. Uh, so, I would say that you know, innovation around eyes. And as we go forward, innovation around lip will continue to be very important. Makeup is a very important part of our category. So but our guests love newness. They love innovation. And I'm proud about the fact that we're bringing it to them, especially as we start this holiday season, in a way that really taps into uh, the need for nostalgia, the need for togetherness, the need for joy, frankly. And I think it'll be more important than ever this holiday. And Ultra Beauty, I believe, is set up well to really help guests with their gift giving. All right, now you have extraordinary 31.7 million active members. I know it's 6% lower than last year, but in your uh, ultimate rewards program, which, by the way, if anyone looks at it, we all do it in our team, you save a lot of money. But one of the things I think is very interesting is you mine the data, and those customers are three times more valuable to you than others. Now, when you say we have a lot of companies that are you know, the sales forces of the world uh, that, that, that mine data, are you hiring those companies to try to figure out who is worth spending money on? I had Snowflake on last night over and over again. All I hear is is that if you mine the data, you get the best customers. Is that what you're doing? Well, every every company is a tech company now, right, including a beauty company like Ulta Beauty. We've always had a foundation around consumer guest insight is what I would say. So whether it's qualitative or quantitative or more deep analytics, it is about understanding guests, perspective and current. And really, what are they? What are their interests? And anticipating it even before they do to be more effective and efficient. So, I'm really proud about the fact that you know we we have a couple of acquisitions we've made in the last couple of years around the augmented reality and the, and the artificial intelligence kind of capability. So we have a team that's doing great work, and it is about really guest insights and guest satisfaction, so that ultimately you're meeting guest needs in a way that isn't about being promotional, but it's about serving up to them what they need and want, and that's working very well. All right. One last question. Uh, I always think it's amazing that you find things that I, I'm totally out of touch with, but I, I love to learn about. Uh, you People like clean ingredients. They like uh, cruelty-free. They like vegan. They like sustainable packaging. These are the young people. They're coming to your place. This is what they're asking for, as well as asking about the fragrance or is asking about the, uh, how good it does for skincare. Yeah, absolutely. So we launched, it's really new, but we call it Conscious Beauty. We just launched it in October. And just think about it as a platform for brands that meet various 
conditions around whether it's cruelty-free, vegan, sustainable packaging. Um, and, and we're finding a lot, we have a lot of uh, brands that are participating. Guests are very excited about it. You know, this notion of clean and also being specific to what a guest is looking for. Not everybody's looking for the same thing. Somebody might care more about vegan than clean ingredients, right? So we're trying to make it easier for guests to find what they need. And there's a lot of excitement in this area. All right, Mary Dillon, congratulations again on a remarkable Thank quarter in one of the toughest environments ever. Always good to see you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Carl, back to you. Uh, all right, Jim, let's uh, wrap things up with you after a killer week on MAD. What, <laughs> you got you. CrowdStrike tonight? Yeah, and Zscaler. These are the companies that protect you uh, along with Opta. I've got to ask about what happened with Pfizer. I've got to ask about whether people are hacking these things because that's what these two gentlemen know better than anyone else in the country other than uh, the people at Palo Alto Networks and Proofpoint. These, uh, something's going on, Carl. The hacking has to stop, and I think that we'll find out from Zscaler and CrowdStrike what the heck is going on. Uh, just uh, amazing work all week long. Thank and you. And every day, Jim, uh, uh, helping our viewers understand what's going Thank on. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, with good bookings. We'll see you tonight. Uh, Mad Money, of course, 6 p.m. with Jim Cramer. When we come back, we'll talk to Hasbro's Brian Goldner as we get closer and closer to holiday and talk more about uh, retail, toy supply chain, and more when Squawk on the Street comes back. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.